This is your dear brother, you dub. The Fat Daddy Stacks. And I'm with this shit, who's always with this shit. And this is on the lighter note. On the lighter note. How y'all doing? Making it, bro. Making it. I'm sore. Sore from what? All this yoga. Yoga. Goat yoga. Did you see yeah. goat yoga? What's that? You never seen goat yoga? It's like where they do oh, yoga. Yes. Like baby goats in there, like standing on the people's backs and stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> Kim, or was it Chloe Kardashian and Kevin Hart did it? That is weird. Goats be shitting on people they, and all that. <laughs> they do. They do, seriously. Goddamn goats. I'm cool. Probably oh, singing this. It's for the goats or it's for the people? It's for the people. people. So if the goat shit on you, are you allowed to react? I have no idea. I've never been to goat yoga. <laughs> I've never been to anybody's yoga. Right. I heard people being there farting, like the yoga might make you pass gas. And I'm like, I'm scared. Like, I'm going there. Like, oh, something stink. They always gonna look at me like the fat dude did it. <laughs> people like to, I don't know why people think fat people got all this gas. I don't know why. <laughs> it's weird to me. Yeah. I went to Bikram yoga. Uh, that's the joint where it's hot, hot yoga. Yeah. And um, everybody was flexing and stuff. And somebody farted like real, real loud. And I, and I was like snickering to myself. Nobody else was laughing. And I was like, like, then you feel childish. Yeah, I was like, man, that nigga body. <laughs> that's funny. That you feel childish. You gotta that's come and join me one day. I've only done hot yoga one time, and I wore my fro when I did it. Bad idea. She went in there with an Angela Davis came out with a Manny Fresh. Let me join. Y'all been watching the Olympics? What's up with Simone Biles, though? She's dropped out of some events, you know, due to her mental health. Yeah, I heard she's putting a lot of pressure on herself. I literally just found out about this earlier today. I, I guess she had been messing up. Because she's so powerful. So um, I watched the floor routine with her the other day, and they, and they were saying that. They was like, she has to she has to hold herself back because she's so powerful in her moves. Um, When she, like, took off, like, she just goes, like, a lot further than other people when she's jumping and tumbling, doing flips. It made her take a misstep. Like, even even her doing that, she's still better than everybody else. I think it sucks that people are, are wearing in like that. People act like they they own athletes. Nobody owns that girl. Right. That's their life to live. Absolutely. You know, it's frustrating to watch, especially when you see the people weighing in on it, calling her weak and selfish and all this other stuff. And it's like, you have no athleticism at all. At all. Like, like, <laughs> the most you do is get out of the bed. It's easier to critique. <laughs> it's always easy yeah. to critique. That's real. And I, I she, was, she was being selfless, you know, because she was saying that she didn't want to cost her team the medal. So she took right. a step back. Yeah. But, you know, people don't people don't really take people's mental health as seriously as they should, especially I know in our community that it hasn't been taken that seriously. Um, recently, Meek Mill had put up a tweet that they got a lot of people's attention, which read, I wish the black community could find a way to make therapy cool. You know, what I mean, it's something that's really profound because. A lot of people hear about therapy and they got, you know, different thoughts. A lot of them are unfounded. They're baseless because they're coming from people who never participated in therapy. They're just making assumptions. Yeah, mm -hmm. man, I think it's important that as, a, as a community, we start protecting our mental health. Why do you think that we found that therapy wasn't cool before? I remember at one point it was, you know, that's for white people. Right. Um, that was always a stigma that was attached uh, to therapy or you crazy or, you know, we it was just it was just frowned upon and people just rolled with that. It was convenient, it was easier than really unpacking what, what it actually is. It's like, no, it's actually necessary. I Absolutely. feel like as a black person in America, you black, okay, therapy is, is a part of that. Right. It should come with the conversation about like reparations, that should be a part of it. Forty acres a mule and a therapist. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, yeah, they say we're 20 percent more likely to experience mental health than the rest of the population anyway. So you think that stems from all the stuff that we've had to endure. So. You talk about about therapies like, oh, you're going out there telling people our business. You know what I mean? And you, you're talking about these things that happen in your house. You know, we grew up. It's like, don't tell people what happened in my house. What happened in this house? Stay in this house. You know what I mean? Like. And Whitney said slavery, you brought up reparations. Maybe that's that hush-hush mentality from slavery. The master was in a house raping the house Negroes, as they say, the light-skinned fair one, you know what I mean? Um, people tend to say that, you know, that happened coming from slavery. You know what I mean? What happens in this house stays in this house. Like, there was a lot of mental abuse, a lot of rape going on. Um, and, then, you know, it was it was hush-hush. You, you wasn't supposed to know that the master was was having sex with such and such. Like, look at, uh, was it Thomas Jefferson had all them 
all these black offspring. You know what I mean? Like that stuff wasn't supposed to be talked about, especially it's not supposed to be talking about where they say that they was bringing in some of the young men to have sex with some of the white women. You yeah. know what I mean? Of course, that wasn't supposed to be. You can't tell anybody that. I'm sure they saw a lot. You know, they probably saw that the, the fathers getting raped. You know, that was not uncommon. Oh, I didn't even um, think about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that, that kind of stuff going on in your house, you're not supposed to tell nobody about that. One, it's embarrassing. Two, you know, it's, it's you know, now you're shining a, a bad light on the master, even though you know he's a piece of shit. <laughs> Make you want to watch Vango. See some some slave masters get fucked up. I think definitely, you know, starting with slavery and then just generations down, you know, carrying that same mentality. Um, again, the rape and those things that happened during slavery, like you have a lot of incest going on. Right. Um, you have a lot of mental abuse, a lot of, you know, physical, you know, sex, sex abuse. Um, one will argue that they possibly gave us religion mm. to to combat, you know, that, you know what I mean? Gave us Christianity so we could forgive. You know what I mean? A lot of what was going on, not just the, the rapes, but all of the abuse they possibly gave us, you know, religion to, to kind of like dull that. Like, oh, you're supposed to turn up a cheat, forgive. You know what I mean? Like, why am I always forgiving? You know what I mean? I got to forgive everybody because like they say, I mean, I think I think we're the only people who are when something happens, we're the only people who are pushed to forgive before we even have time to heal. Right. Every time something happens, y'all, you should forgive them. You know what I mean? We ain't even healed from it. other other ethnicities. They get to talk about it forever. Like we can't even talk about slavery or segregation. Like right. that happened to my grandma. Like that ain't even not slavery, but segregation and the civil rights era. Like we're not even allowed to talk about those things, although they still affect us. You know what I mean? We're supposed to go to church, forgive pray it away, talk to the pastor about it. Yeah, I, I think a lot of the, 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 I guess the attitude was, you know, prayer was, was all you could do at that time mm-hmm. on slavery. That was the only, you only could seek solace in God, really, because no one else is going to help you or save you. You're a slave. So you, you're at this, that whatever this man wants to do, he pretty much can do it. So you go to God. Right. I think that because because that was such it was so much emphasis on that as again, you know, generations went on, a lot of a lot of those people from that older generation felt like, well, that's what we did and we got through it. So all you need to do is is pray. There are other resources outside of the church. Right. You know, you don't have to just go in and make a confession or because sometimes that's not always the always the best thing. You know, people are trained to actually help you through your issues. Right. And sometimes the church doesn't always provide that as a resource. I mean, I think most religions, isn't it, I don't really know, maybe in the books, they, they may not discourage therapy. Like I know in, in, in the Bible, it talks about seeking counsel and things like that. So I think that that's like a form of therapy, but the actual church folk, um, a lot of times would discourage going to therapy. Go to God. That's your therapist. You know, the Pastor Higgins. Right. Um, I hope that ain't nobody passed. I'm not trying to. <laughs> I just made Higgins up. <laughs> it's a pastor that I didn't know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people point to the black church, man, for for shunning therapy, but. You know, the black church before that, before therapy was a thing, the black church was, you know, that place where we saw healing and things like that. Right. It'd be in the middle of the floor screaming or, you know, talking to somebody in your section, somebody praying for you. That was our our therapy. But I I think the newer generation has evolved um, into actually seeking resources. Um, Absolutely. And I, I think that's a good thing. It's definitely a good thing. It's definitely a good thing that, you know, it's it's coming out like people are trying to make therapy cool. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, you see a lot of social media pages that talk about it and talk about ways to heal and talk about ways to find therapists. Um, and, and I think that that's amazing. You know what I mean? I just hope hope that the masses can can take a, a hold to it. You know what I mean? Like. Where it's like, all right, yeah, I, I saw my therapist today, and it'd be something cool. Like you don't even you don't even think about it because we look at growing up, we used to look at TV 
on a sitcom, they'd be like, yeah, I just came from my therapist. And nobody would care. Nobody would make an eye. Like, if you say that in our community, be like, I just came from my therapist. What's fucking wrong with you? All right, this nigga right. crazy. That's the first thing that people think. Yeah. He be terrible. He's schizophrenic. Like, that's, you know, people love to throw the word schizophrenic out there. He <laughs> got shit to do with nothing. Like, he <laughs> they don't even know what it means. He's, I think they schizophrenic. Do y'all think that, you know, a lot of people don't go to therapy because they can't afford it? That's quite possible. It's quite possible. Absolutely. I've heard about that even in the black community. Like I, I, um, you know, actually know a therapist who says she makes it a point to keep her prices, um, you know, a certain a certain price point, just so that you know black people would use her more as a resource because yeah. people are now, you know, they're they're charging up the ass for it. It's like, yeah. damn, I'm already having itch. I got to charge for my mental health or I, I got to pay this much for my mental health Yeah. to keep my sanity. Yeah. That's how people so, self-medicate. Yeah. If anybody, like, they do need therapy, you can always go to uh, the website psychologytoday.com. Like, that that website, it'll it'll let you sort it by, like, the your zip code, your state. Uh, it'll let you sort it by price. Um, If you want to sort it even more by, like, uh, if you are by your sexuality, um, if you want to sort it by ethnicity of the therapist, um, age range, and, and it has price, like so that, like you said, price is a big thing. Of course, it has like if you have different insurances where you can go, um, for those things. But that's a good resource if anyone needs it. Remember that psychologytoday.com. I'm sorry, thanks, Harold. No yeah. doubt, you know, I, mean, I did notice about the whole like therapy thing. The, the trend that I don't like is people are using it as a means to belittle folks. Some of some of it, I think, is a genuine like thing to say, like men need to, to go to therapy, but some of it is like kind of a diss, too, right? All right, you like, know, it, you know it, which ones are a diss, you know which ones are yeah. like, yeah, but men do the same thing when they try to like big themselves up. It's kind of like, yeah, I got a job, I got good credit, I ain't got no kids, and I go to therapy, like. Do talk about that? Oh, I ain't never seen no man say that. So, I, I've never said that on a date. I ain't never seen it. But I have seen women say men don't need a relationship. They need therapy. Right. Like, that, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, men don't need a relationship. They need therapy. I think that that's both for men and women. We all need it. We all have exactly. come up come up in, in life being people who things have happened to who we suffer from PTSD or, or something else. You know what I mean? A lot of people have, like we said, been sexually abused, mentally abused, um, talked about, bullied. So we all need therapy and or counseling. I would say that it started to shoot up, though, you know, during the pandemic. That's what I was getting at earlier. Obviously, during the pandemic, you can't go anywhere. You're forced to sit there with your thoughts. Right. Or you're forced to deal with your significant other all day long. You can't go anywhere. So people started to go crazy. (laughs) Now it's so hard to even get an appointment with the therapist. Right. Because that business is booming right now due to the pandemic. Yeah, you know? more people are getting that degree. That will help, you know, deal with the influx of people. But are people signing up to be therapists? Like, I, I will, I will, I'm curious to know what that statistic is. Maybe I'll look it up. But I think it's definitely needed. Because yeah, I know a lot of people who won't go see a therapist that's not their color. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they want someone who, who they feel can possibly relate to them on a cultural level. And they may feel like someone of another ethnicity may not be able to. Right. They might I mean, right. because so, I mean, if I'm a therapist and I have someone who's who's Asian in my office, I may not be able to understand the things that they go through. They go through a different type of racism that black people went through. I mean, they go through different types of issues, different types of, you know, growing up in a household, different parental issues. You know what I mean? Because some of us need therapy from my parents, not me, but yeah, maybe, maybe me, maybe. But anyway, I think that's fair. I mean, you want to, like you said, you want to talk to somebody that looks like you that can relate. If you think about the institution of medicine, like it's historically racist. So as far as like pain and tolerance of pain and things like that. So you may be talking to a a white uh, therapist or another, you know, ethnicity, and they may think because you're black, you're strong. Your mental state is stronger than most people, but that doesn't always apply. People are people, so my issues should should weigh the same as much as as, as someone else that you may see. And yeah, that was that, weird to that was definitely weird to find out. Um, I guess it came out in recent years what you were saying about 
people's pain tolerances that doctor mm-hmm. would, wouldn't give black people as strong a medication as they would a white person because they felt like black people's pain tolerance was higher. So people were like dying in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Dying like, especially women were like dying during childbirth. That still goes on too. Yeah, right, 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 right. That's how I found out about it. It's documented. Yeah, I had a friend, you know, not to, not to go off topic, but I had a friend who labored the whole entire time at home and they kept telling her due to the pandemic, you know, it's, it's just um, contractions. That's it. Literally, if she had not went to the hospital when she did, her and the baby wouldn't be here. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that goes back to us just like honoring ourselves. Heavy stuff, man. Heavy stuff. A lot of trauma, a lot of trauma, a lot of trauma. I think that, yeah, trauma indeed. I, I, I legit think you, you had mentioned something about earlier about, you know, people needing to go to therapy instead of dating. I kind of agree, but I, I, not just for men, I think for all people. All people, right? Yeah, I mean, we literally are just passing around trauma. Absolutely, passing around pain, rather. The stuff that I didn't work out for my last relationship that I didn't take a minute to to deal with, the the next woman is suffering for that, and vice versa. Hurt people, hurt people. Yeah, people are so caught up in, in getting to the next person or, or not wanting to be alone and take that time that we end up, you know. That this just bleeds out on someone else. Right. Someone else is taking the hell. That was like one of the biggest things. And not all of my relationships, but some of my relationships was like, I don't want to pay that man's tab. He did that. Don't put that on my bill. He hurt <laughs> you. He did whatever. I'm I'm a whole new person. And I try not to, I try to give each woman a clean slate. Does that work out for you? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, I just kind of kind of roll with it. Like I, I I I've done therapy. I'm not saying that I've arrived. That's the other thing that annoys me about people that go to therapy. They feel like they've arrived and that, you know, just because they went, that it's doing something. <laughs> therapy is a grind. You get what you put into it. Yeah. It's, it's not a one you, you go in and it's over. It's it's a constant thing. You know, working on yourself is, is it's never ending. There's yeah. always room for improvement. People think that they could do it like real quick. That's when they go to counseling. Because counseling and therapy are different. Counseling, like, if it targets something like specific that you need to work out, yes. like, oh, I'm having issues with my marriage. So I'm going to marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I'm having issues with my job. So you go to like workplace, th- workplace counseling. You know what I mean? I'm having issues with someone dying. So you go to grief, grief counseling. You know what I mean? So people think like, oh, that's when it's worked out as opposed to therapy is something like it's on a broader scale. Like I'm working out a lot of different things. You know what I mean? I'm working to understand why I feel this way. Right. You know what I mean? Because a lot of times people don't even, you don't even know how you feel. Like, so you go to therapy to like, to understand like, what emotion am I actually feeling right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people like, they got to process that. Sometimes therapy is, is a way to do that. You know what I mean? In a way that you could talk it out and kind of figure it out during that time. You know what I mean? It's not all about, oh, tell me about your mother and they're going to blame your mother for all your problems. Right. Because yeah, that's what a lot of people think like, it's going to be. Or you go, and it's $750 to lay on somebody's couch. Like, anytime I've ever been, I ain't never laid on the couch. I wanted to, though. Like, I was like, I feel like I was robbed of that experience. Like, I'm going to lay right here and talk shit about people. Like, yeah, my wife, she said such and such. You know what I mean? I ain't never get to do that. You know what I mean? I do it now because, you know, it's, it's, it's virtual. You're right. It's You're virtual right. now? You can. Oh, right, because of COVID. Yeah. yeah you can. Spread eagle on the couch and let Wait, it rest. Why we got to spread eagle, though? <laughs> right. <laughs> Your therapist is probably like, uh, <laughs> think you're supposed to sit up straight. Or, stop with this is. That's not that kind of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> spread eagle. Uh, closing your legs. What you said earlier uh, about um, feeling and stuff like that, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of times, I don't know, if the stat has changed, but most men don't know what they're feeling for at least 48 hours. Right. Right. Sometimes and I realized that. Yeah, I realized that. Yeah. Women, I don't think women realize that when you're sometimes when things are going down and you're arguing and dude is just quiet. Uh-huh. Just, he's processing. He processing. may not get to what's going on for right. another two days unless unless he's really, really evolved and in touch with his feelings. But mm-hmm. most guys don't, especially I would say. More so in the inner city, we're not in tune with our feelings because that's how we we were taught. That's how we were socialized. So all of that stuff about being tough, 
not, not letting people know your feelings and emotions for decades. So you're talking about 10, 15, 20 years of that being taught. You got to be tough. You got to do this. Nobody should know how you feel. By the time you get in a relationship, that's already embedded in your head. So a lot of couples struggle because a man doesn't even know how to express himself. Right. Every, you got to unlearn all that tough shit. What'd you say? I said until two days later and he crying in the shower. Well, I mean, <laughs> if that's what it takes. I mean, cause sometimes, because growing up, you don't realize as a male, you don't realize that there are other emotions aside from being happy or mad. Right. You know what I mean? Like all of the ones in between can get, can get confused when you're arguing with like a significant other when you're older. So now it's like, damn, I'm mad. Like, when you think about it, like, I was really just disappointed. Right. I was really sad. I was really scared. Like, to, to as a grown, for a grown man to say, I was scared. Right. That's it's tough lot. to come to. You know what I mean? It's definitely not something that you will come to immediately to say, oh, I was scared. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you got to react quick so everything comes off as you're angry <laughs> or you sad. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I also don't think, like, we're, we would be comfortable to say that. I'm sad, like you just said, or well, I'm afraid. Right. How would you feel if your man told you he was afraid? Depending on what he was afraid of. Are you afraid of losing me or are you afraid of this bug in the corner? Afraid of anything. Anything. But a man can't be afraid of a bug. Big ass tarantula in the corner with fur on it. Right. Big ass tarantula. <laughs> I don't care if you are scared, you better handle it. So he's saying he's afraid and you call him a bitch. <laughs> right. See? He's just scared. He he just he just like you. He's human like you. Right. Only thing a man should be afraid of is afraid of losing. I would never. I would not do that. Don't put that on me. Some Steve Harvey shit. <laughs> the only thing that man should be afraid of. What you afraid for? Afraid <laughs> <Right>. of? <laughs> no, it depends. You know, some women they like to see their men being vulnerable. I was just having this conversation last night. You know, yeah, I, I accept it. You know, you're vulnerable to to a certain extent, but women. They go for that. They're not going to shun you for that. It's a fine line. It is a fine line. You right. Fine line from being vulnerable and a bitch ass nigga. <laughs> you you right on that line. You're like, you always want to talk about what's going on. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> right. I don't think that's just men, though. You know, you to your cuss part. me out sometimes. Like, the fuck? <laughs> right. Ain't good for my mental health. And <laughs> some no, relationships, no. some women feel like, Unless you get mad at them or you get angry, you don't love them. Yep, you don't give a fuck about them. We don't talk about that a lot. That's some toxic shit. Sure right. is. But anyway, we talk about we talk about therapy. Get back you know, I mean, a lot of traumatic experiences have happened to us in life. Right. Uh, you know, growing up in the inner city, you see a lot of stuff. Like, I'm almost 40 years old, and I remember the first time I saw a dead body mm. laying in the street. I remember the guy's name. I remember like it was doing it was in the 80s doing a drug dealing DC height of crack cocaine. Mm-hmm. We had this dope ass BMW, had the neon lights on the bottom of it. We lived in the project, but that's what he had. And I remember they was like somebody got shot. And we all, you know, everybody ran over to where this had happened that he was laid out there, shot in the head, dead. That was at least 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I still remember it. You know what I mean? It's like that trauma. Like, like when do you when do you get to address that? Yeah, because it's not normal to see that type. It's of not stuff. normal, right? Unfortunately, we think it's normal. I was just right. about to say we that. See it enough. Like I've seen enough people shot up, laid in the street, or you know, what I mean, been places where people are shooting. It's like, oh shit! Like you don't even react. Like you get desensitized to it all. Like somebody gets shot, you be like, damn, such and such got shot. I ain't realizing until I went to college where. I was in a different city and as much stuff didn't happen. Things happen in every city. Mm-hmm. But of course, on the level of DC, that stuff didn't happen like that. Right. And I mean, get back home and it's like, oh shit, like I'm on this like high guard because I remember I'm back in the war zone now. Right. You know what I mean, like, and just dealing with that, like taking that everywhere you go is a, is a horrible feeling. Yeah. A very horrible feeling. I made a comment earlier to um, this, this woman. Um, I was I went to the beach the other day and I dozed off, and I woke up and I was paranoid. <laughs> and she was like, "What are you paranoid for?" I was like, "I don't know. Nigga might try to run down. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> like I'm, I'm just aware. I'm, I'm used to being aware of my surroundings at all times. There's no rest. 
Situational and, awareness is high. <laughs> yeah, I was I've made a joke and I was like, "What's a black man without his, his paranoia?" And she was like, "Healed." And I was Ooh. like, "Ah, that's tough." <laughs> ah, aha. But the joke is, a black man without his paranoia is a white man. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it's just woven into the fabric of who we are. Awareness, you know, being sharp. If I, I, I see something, I'm looking, I'm, I'm checking. I'm, when I'm with a lady, I'm looking around to make sure it's, there's no threats. So I'm grateful for it. For it. My mind ain't always at peace, but I'd rather be aware than be a victim. Absolutely. So, you know, that that is the upside to, you know, being in those environments. I mean, if, if, if you call it an upside. Peace might be better. I don't know. I'll never. I don't know if I've ever, ever experienced it. When you remember your first traumatic experience, or one of your earlier ones. For me, what I remember, there was a lot of suicide going on when I was growing up. I'm talking about starting in like seventh grade. Wow. Yeah, and it's crazy because I think by the time I got to like the ninth grade, it was already like four people, and one person shot himself. But the other three hung themselves. Wow. You know, and I would say, you know, it's people that, you know, you I was I was an athlete, so I'm running track with these people. I'm playing, you know, I'm, I'm playing sports with these people. Next thing you know, they gone. You got to leave campus early to, to go to the funeral. And then come back, come back to school. That's crazy. I would say that's what I remember. All right. Did they have, did they provide grief counseling for y'all? You know what? I don't remember anybody providing that for us. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, like of course, if you know, and when I was in high in school, I mean just high school, junior high, in high school, when people if somebody died, it usually wasn't suicide. It was more than likely some type of violence when people died, and they will always be like they got these grief counselors available uh, if anybody needs to talk. Like I never went. I mean, because I don't think I know anybody who's ever went. You know what I mean? I remember in the 10th grade, like, a guy got, he got stabbed right in front of the school after school with an ice pick and died right there. Yeah. Like, we were out there. Like, I remember that. Yeah. And, like, the next day, it was like, oh, you know, this happened yesterday on the camp on outside the school, and they provided those people. And I don't even think that many people probably took advantage of that. Right. I, was, I remember that um, when uh, Buddy got stabbed. I, yeah. I remember they announced it, and I remember hearing this girl scream from, like... I remember. I always remember that scream. For the, he was in the same class in the Swan class. I remember. Right. That joint was, was eerie. Yeah, it was very eerie. Um, I mean, rest in peace to Tato. That was a good dude, man. Yeah, man. Um, but, you know, if anybody, like, they are, you know, feeling suicidal, it's places you can call. You can always call the Boys Town National Hotline. Their number is one 800 Four four eight three thousand. I actually used to work for Boys Town. I don't mind plugging that. You know what I mean. I actually used to work for them um, for a number of years, and it's a good hotline to call. They open twenty four hours, seven days a week, three hundred and sixty five days a year. They'll they'll talk to you. You just need somebody to talk to. They'll talk to you. You have to get that number out to people all the time. Mm. Like if you you need somebody to talk to, if you can't get me on the phone, call them. They'll talk to you all night, all day. Um, you asked me. Um... You said the first, uh, my earliest trauma that I can remember. Um, when, I, when we mentioned the other day, I, I had thought about it. Um, and for me, the first time, I guess, the first time I, I found out my dad was beating my mother. Wow. It was tough because up until that point, he was my hero. Mm. And in an instant, he turned into the villain. Never right. looked at him the same. I remember it pretty clear, but I also tried to forget a lot of the details. I never looked at my dad the same. Um, I don't even think I really loved him the same. You know, I loved him a little more when I knew he wasn't beating my mom. And yeah, I mean, that's tough. Real tough. Because I don't know how many years ago that was, but it still affects me. You know, my mom was a really strong woman and she had, she had good intentions by being in the situation, but 
it was it was it came at a cost. Mm-hmm. I, I think it might have been you know necessity, but I also think that you know she she felt like she was doing the right thing. And for a long time, I, I questioned my mother's judgment. Uh, but when I the, when I got older, I realized like that was the best thing she could do. That's what she knew, you know, to do at the time. She did the best with uh, what she knew. To endure um, it? Yeah, to endure, to make it through. Um, you know, a lot of people say, stick, stay together for the kids. And like I always say, like, everything comes with a cost. Mm-hmm. Your kid might see some shit that has them teary-eyed 30 years later because of, you know, choices that you made as, as a young person. Yeah. I don't believe in staying together for the kids. I don't either. Because kids need to see, you know, healthy relationships. Absolutely. Um, and I'm not, I'm not at all like blaming my mom or anything like that at all. I'm just saying like, if you're a person in a relationship and you're getting abused or, you know, there's some things that are happening that, that aren't cool, look, look for ways to get out because your kids will be affected. Kids see everything, even the things you don't see. Kids can tell when their parents are off. Agreed. So, you know, get out of that situation if you can. Absolutely. But that trauma, I think, that trauma has shaped the way I see the world. It has shaped how I relate to people um, and how I relate to women. It affected my whole family. And I think it affects when it comes to, to abuse, it affects people in two ways. Either you're, uh, you're an absolute end that was, it's no nonsense. Like I don't raise my voice to women. I've never hit a woman. I've never put myself in a situation where it could go left. Um, or, you know, you're on the other side of it where you're in a relationship where you think that's normal or you, you endure it. I'm on the other side of it, thank God. But, you know, abuse is, is, a, is a, it's a weird thing. That's crazy. I literally just asked Umar the other day why he reacted or responded so calmly. Like he was telling me a situation and I was just like, my, my first question was just like, why you, why you ain't cuss this person out? Mm-hmm. He really doesn't raise his voice or get mad. I never put two and two together ever. Right. Yeah. It's uh, definitely, definitely right about being like on those on the, on the end of the spectrum, like I talked about on that other part, when I went off on the girl mm-hmm. and fucking Chipotle, like that's why I feel so bad. I was like, she ain't deserved that. Right. It wasn't for her. You know what I mean? I've had a similar situation as Umar. Like my father wasn't there. He wasn't, he made every excuse in the world. He was in the streets. He's like, oh, that's why I wasn't around. I couldn't do this, you know? And my mother, and then you find out later that like you put your hands on her. Right. But when, when she told me, I reacted different. Cause it's just been me and her forever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In our household. So I was probably 15. I was this height. I ain't weigh as much, but I was this height, which is taller than him. And I approached him about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? He felt like my mother was wrong for telling me. But you want to know, don't put your fucking hands on her. Don't raise your voice at her. She has protection now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's how I feel about like, I try not to raise my voice because I can go from teddy bear to grizzly bear real quick, but I try not to raise my voice, especially to children and women. Like, right. you know what I mean? So if I'm raising my That's voice, they to put cheese. In your- <laughs> Except for when they forget to put cheese in your quesadilla. Nah, it was only cheese. The shit wasn't melting. <laughs> they, they played with my baby <laughs> the wrong way. But then I was, I was like upset. Like, but that's no reason. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, like you said, it ain't it ain't no reason to to do it. Like I wish I had your calm. Yeah, I man, I had that moment with my father. Um, a lot of people don't know, like the early parts of my life, I was I was really training. You know what I mean, lifting weights, doing all this shit, so that I could fight my father. God damn, as, as a youngin. And it was it was tough because when I got to that point where I felt like, yeah, I'm about to whip this nigga's ass, he got MS. He got sick. So all, right. all, all of that buildup, you know, was around 15, 16, all of, all of that time that I had spent trying to get myself in order to be able to approach my dad. And there was no release because now I have to love that man. Right. 
Same. I, I, I would look like a chump putting my hands on my dad if he, and then he's in a wheelchair. Yeah. But I tried Same. to confront him. I tried talking to him. It was fucked up because he could have resolved a lot of the issues in my family by just saying, I'm sorry. And then I explained to him the fallout from his decisions. And he was just quiet. So I never really got, you know, a release. Right. And when he got sick, it went from me wanting to hurt him to me having to help him. Right. It was a huge mindfuck. So I went from, and, and, and he wasn't there. He wasn't that around. He wasn't that present. But when he is present now, I'm having to change his diapers. I'm having to help him in and out of a car. So, you know, I guess it goes back to religion. I had to take that all of that to God. Yeah, I was about to say that. It's crazy how God worked, ain't it? Yeah, because all of that rage and all of that stuff had had to turn into to peace and had to turn into, you know, love and kindness um, and being present for someone who's never there. Mm-hmm. That's so, it, which is, which is, which is a trauma in itself. Exactly. So, what it is 2021 now. So, a couple years ago, like I said, my father, my father had a stroke mm-hmm. in a hospital. Now I'm I'm, I'm the person got to make the decisions. I mean, he eventually, you know, he he actually said, "I'm, I'm sorry." He ain't say for what, but. I accepted his apology. You know what I mean? But it was tough, like to go from somebody who didn't do for you right. what they should have to you have to, you always gonna call for this person. They call you all times of the night. Right. They call, you know what I mean? Like me and my sister, like he wasn't there for us. You know what I mean? She's older, but you know what I mean? I'm more authoritative. So I was making a lot of the decisions, doing a lot of the talking to the people at hospitals and nursing homes and places like that. You know what I mean? Um and then they put him in a nursing home around the corner from my house, like right around the corner by uh by that 7-Eleven. They put him in a nursing home right there. And like, which is walking distance. So he and he knows that, you know what I mean? He knew that I was back and forth all the time. Like I had never spoke to him that many times in my life. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so you go from eh, I ain't thinking about you too. I got to think about you all day long because you're calling all day. I, I need to make sure that you're straight. Like I'm to the point where it's flipped where like I'm angry with him. So I'm angry with people at the nursing home. Like I had to approach a man. Like his brothers were telling me like that this man was like being super rough with my father, like moving him. Like he had a stroke. He can't move. I had to approach this man, tell this man to his face. Like dog, I live around the corner. They call me again. I'm going to fuck you up. That's real. I ain't apologize to him at all. No, I need it. But you know what I mean? Like, and, that, and that's, it's, it's a mindfuck. It's, it's a definite mindfuck. I remember we talked about that. I don't know if you remember, but... I remember. Yeah. I remember. I remember. We talked about that, and I was able to relate because I had been through the same shit. Yeah, you just ain't share. Yeah. You just ain't share. So wait, so, so let me ask y'all. So can y'all identify the triggers from these situations? I can. I can. I can, yeah. I can identify most triggers from my, my, my life. My, my earlier life I think therapy helped me with that yeah. I think that's one of the good things about therapy is it arms you with the tools to be able to identify certain things okay. certain patterns that's probably the best thing about it, it arms you with, with the tool to be able to identify and then also the ability to cope right to manage I it. Mm-hmm. right I realized I needed to 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 search for therapy or to realize that I had this trigger like if I just heard a song about uh, a father that wasn't there, mm-hmm. I'd cry. Mm-hmm. Like Benny Siegel's, Benny Siegel's verse on the dynasty, Where Have You Been? Yep. When he talks about his father, like tears automatically fall. That's when I realized, like, let me look for therapy. That's when I, that's how I found that Psychology Today website. Yeah. yeah. Find, you know what I mean? Look for somebody to, to speak with. For me, I, I decided to go to therapy. It was, it was actually odd how it happened. But I had like a bunch of stuff happen. My grandmother died. My niece had a, a, an accident. Um, and I'm real close to my family. So like those things were, were heavy. And then everything else that had happened in life, um, all of this stuff had happened and I never, I just like got through it, right? Talking to God, whatever. Um, and then there was a calm. And I was like, I should probably talk to somebody. 
because this is the first time that life is calm and I'm able to process. And that's, that's when I went and sought someone out. Um, but prior to that, I didn't even feel like I had time to go to therapy. That may be some, some people's issue too. Um, I was just trying to, I was trying to survive it. Yeah. But when I did go, it was, <clears throat> it was a woman, I used to work at the school I went to. I was cleaning out some boxes in my house and I found her business card. And I was like, I wonder if Dr. Clay is still around. And I went and I just talked to her. I didn't go to her for the purpose of therapy. Initially, I just wanted to catch up. Right. Like, I want you to come back. She knew I needed it. I didn't even know that, that you know, that that's where that was going to go. But she was like, I want you to come back. And I, I want to keep talking to you. That, for me, was, was the beginning of trying to sort out some things. Up until that point, it had just been me and God and me and my, my uncle and my aunt. Those, those, those have been my therapists for years. I always go to them with everything. But I was grateful for it. And it, it made me a better person. It made me a better man. You got to talk to somebody because... Right. You, I mean, you'll be all right all day from nine o'clock to whatever time you go to bed. When it's time to go to bed, that's when that that anxiety from whatever it is that's bothering you is going to fuck with you. It's going to keep you up at night. So then you find yourself, you got to you got to you got to smoke something. Maybe mm -hmm. people self-medicate mm -hmm. and try to get through it. You might got to take some. Some people take melatonin. Some people smoke weed. Some people, you know, they drink to get through it. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not here to knock anybody's way of getting through it, but just to encourage you to go to therapy, but that happens. Uh, I think one of the biggest hurdles or, or obstacles with therapy is, is finding the therapist. I think a lot of people get lost in that um, because you're not going to get it right on the first try. Sometimes you may not even get to the actual therapist. There's a lot of red tape in between you and that person, but you got to really be committed to that process. If, if you are truly after your own healing or whatever it is, or peace of mind, you got to go through, you know, different therapists. You got to go through whatever it is to get that right fit. You just got to keep after it. And you get, you, you, you get what you put in. If, if you go in there and you are not open and transparent, then you, you won't find whatever you're looking for in the way of healing. That's just what it is. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man. Uh, I'm not hating. I'm just concerned. What you concerned about now, Umar? I'm concerned about folks pressuring people to get vaccinated. Don't guilt people into that. That's their personal choice. You pressing folks about a choice that that could affect the rest of their lives, and you trying to come off as you like you're better than because you got the vaccine. Meanwhile, you still doing coke. You talking about a health concern? People on your case about the damn vaccine, and they out here passing out STDs like flyers. Like, come on, man, don't don't stress me out, man. You done burnt more niggas in the sun. Like, relax a bit. Gotta relax, yeah, man. Gotta relax. The health crisis is in your pants, cause it's like get it together. Oh, nose. There you go. I'm going to go the other way with it. I'm going to go the other way with it. I ain't hating, but I am concerned. I hate it the other way around, that people are doing this to people who are vaccinated. You know what I mean? Like, you're 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 criticizing them. Like, oh, you put that vaccine in your body. Like, nigga, you smoke cigarettes. Right. Get the fuck out of here. Right. right. I don't know what the fuck are the fucking cigarettes. That ain't just tobacco. You smoke right. cigarettes and street weed. Like, nigga, shut up. Right. And eat at Popeye's. Like, what the fuck, nigga? Like, <laughs> doing everything right. I, I know. I don't know. Whitney, what's your take on therapy? Uh, I definitely feel like it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to take advantage of it. Doesn't mean you're weak. Everybody, like you said, has things that they can improve on. I currently go to therapy every other Thursday. I did choose um, to go with somebody that was culturally competent. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a woman and she'd be handing my ass to me, to be honest. Good. Uh, yeah, I appreciate her. Actually, I enjoy it. I will tell you though. Um, I'm proud of myself. I've never cried in therapy, but this last session is probably the first session where I felt like, dang, do I really want to talk about this? Right. You know, um, you but I'm sorry. You push through it and talk. I ain't had the session yet. Okay. 
I haven't had the session yet. I'm still debating. I think you should do it, man. You get what yeah. you put in. Exactly. Exactly. So you, you nah. On the other side of that, if you want what's on the other side of it, you're gonna have to put that in the air. Right. I think for me, um, I was embarrassed about what put me in therapy because gotcha. you know, to your point earlier in the conversation, we're expected to be so strong. You know, not just black men, but black women too. Absolutely. You know, somebody the other day asked me how I dealt with my anxiety and I, and I didn't even have an answer. I literally just shrugged my shoulders and was just like, I just pushed through it. I ain't got a choice. Right. You know? Um, so I didn't realize that I was experiencing a different type of grief. Um, I have been dealing with a lot of deaths the past two years and it got to the point where I was numb. Like I didn't even continue to tell my boss that I was going to a funeral because I felt like I was always telling her. So she probably thought that I was lying. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I was being triggered by stuff and I did not realize where they were stemming from until I just broke one day. Mm. And it was a therapist that I had decided to go to early on when the situation had took place afterwards, you're like, ah, I don't need this. I'm fine. Or I got friends for this. Or why am I going to pay to sit on somebody's couch and tell them my problems? You know, I was one of those people, mm-hmm. but once I identified what those triggers were, um, it, it made the process easier because then I had something to work with. You yeah. know what I mean? But I, I, I do. I enjoy it. I enjoy her. Um, it's definitely helpful. Um, the one thing that is scary is you never know when you need to stop going. Right. You know, they'll tell you, right? I mean, you're never really going to be fully healed from anything. There's always going to be trials and tribulations that you're going to be facing. It's just like you said earlier, you know, you have to have the tools to know how to deal with them moving forward. But it's, it's, it just seems like a bill that's on auto pay at this point. It's just something that you just got to keep doing. But I feel like if I could have a standing hair appointment every two weeks. <laughs> that's real. Super real. Yeah. 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 She's cool. I I like her. Um, I think we're we're definitely making progress. And I'm starting to become less embarrassed Mm -hmm. about what actually put me in therapy. And now that I've been more open with my peers about therapy, and I've actually taken some of the information that she brought to my attention, and I'm bringing it to them. I'm um realizing that a lot of people that I know are in therapy. So yes. Meek Mill, I mean, it might just be cool. Yeah. It absolutely is cool. It absolutely is cool. And I you you mentioned like you dealt with a lot of deaths. Like a lot of people don't realize like during COVID, we dealt with so much. So many nice. deaths. You know what I mean? People have passed away that passed away at, at numbers we hadn't seen since the tw- 1920s or so. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's definitely okay to, to search for some grief counseling. If you need a grief counselor, you can always go to griefshare.com. And again, like the other website that we gave out, that's somewhere that they, they have virtual uh, group grief counseling uh, sessions or one-on-one that you can sign up for at no cost. Mm. So again, that's griefshare.com. Um, I think that that was one of the things that I needed the most during this time was like grief counseling. My father passed, my grandmother passed. I had a cousin who was murdered. Numerous other people just in our community who are being murdered um, over the, over the uh, last few months. Grief counseling is where it's at. You know what I mean? So you can talk about it. You got somebody that can listen to you. You can hear other people. Listening to other people sometimes helps you. To process, yeah. like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm going through. You know what I mean? So you can listen to some of those things, um, and I've passed that on to a lot of people who, who seem to the people who have used it said it really did help them a lot. Yeah, um, and they seem to be you know flourishing better. Um, others, I try to encourage to use it. It's a couple people who have lost children over the past few months. I try to pass that along to them. I know that's a tough thing. Um, and I'm not trying to force anyone to heal, right? You gotta, they not be not may not be ready to start healing. You know what I mean? Because from what they say, that's that's not something you ever really heal from. But at least to try to get some help to cope with it. 
Right. No, it's, it's definitely a personal journey. Um, but I, I, I think it's good that all of us really are speaking to, to therapy um, because the more we talk about it, the more people are aware. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it does take some of the stigma and, um, you know, it's no longer a taboo thing. The more we talk about therapy and its benefits, the, the more people we can help. Because we don't go through stuff for ourselves, you know, a lot of times we're going through it so that we can help somebody else. I definitely feel where you're coming from. And I and I, I try to 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 look at things um, in a different light mm-hmm. um, based on what you just said. It's yeah. not always about you, even though you're the one going through it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm all my prayers always like God is making me able. Just get me through it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, to your point earlier. I think a lot of times people associate grief with death. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why I was becoming so numb is because I was experiencing grief, but it wasn't like, it wasn't, it it started long before people around me started dying. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like grief is like actual sorrow. Like you could fall out with your best friend or something like that and just never talk again. That's important. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a real thing. Yeah, it is. Didn't realize it. So that's the mourn the loss of a friendship. Exactly. Mourning the loss. Yep. Yep. Man, heavy conversation. I'm glad that this was a safe space where we could talk. Yeah. And you know, share our stories and our thoughts about something that is is necessary. And um, for what it's worth, man, I hope people are are um, made better for it for our transparency. Yeah, man. Thank y'all for being honest and and, and talking. No doubt. No doubt. Not a problem. Y'all need to get some of those resources. Y'all can hit us up at on the lighter note pod on Instagram. And I will surely make sure we shoot those resources out to y'all. Hey guys, I want to personally thank you all for listening to today's pod. Mental health is a topic that is near and dear to me, but it's often overlooked in our community. Hopefully something that was said today will encourage someone to seek the healing they need and deserve. I am with the shit who's always with the shit. And this is on a lighter note. I'm a lighter note.